The world hates Christians. I don't know if you have observed that, <clears throat> but that's what Jesus said. That's what Jesus said. This week I am... Um, as I'm prone to do every once in a while, I'll take a look at what's going on on Facebook and I'll see things. And I've got lots of friends. I've got relatives who are not following Christ. I've got a lot of friends who are not. Um, some are more, um, more against Christianity. Some are more against God than others. But I saw this one thing. Um, typical meme a picture with uh, some rhetoric about the Salvation Army. Warning that the Salvation Army is not a charity. In fact, they are against homosexuality and they are against same-sex marriage. They are against equality and they're fighting against it. So be careful who you give to this Christmas. Beware of the red baskets and the ringing bells. <laughs> Basically, that was the gist of it. The world hates Christians because they hate what Christians stand for. And they don't hate all Christians, but they hate those who are true Christians. They hate those who are following Christ. They hate those who are really disciples. Oh, they're, they're okay with the kinds of Christians who say, well, I believe in Jesus, but I also believe that you can live the way you want. I also believe that you're okay, I'm okay, we're all okay. The world doesn't hate those kinds of Christians. John 15. John 15 Verse 18 is where we're at in our, um, our series through this, these, these last words of Jesus to His disciples. I'm going to read these words from Jesus aloud and you can follow along with me. John 15 beginning at verse 18. If the world hates you, know that it has hated me before it hated you. If you were of the world, the world would love you as its own. But because you are not of the world, but I chose you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. Remember the word that I said to you? A servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will pers also persecute you. If they kept my word, they will also keep yours. But all these things they will do to you on account of my name, because they do not know him who sent me. If I had not come and spoken to them, they would not have been guilty of sin. But now they have no excuse for their sin. Whoever hates me hates my father also. If I had not done among them the works that no one else did, they would not be guilty of sin. But now they have seen and hated both me and my father. But the word that is written in their law must be fulfilled. They hated me without a cause. But when the Helper comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth, who proceeds from the Father, he will bear witness about me. 
and you also will bear witness, because you have been with me from the beginning. I have said all these things to you to keep you from falling away. They will put you out of the synagogues. Indeed, an hour is coming when whoever kills you will think he is offering service to God. And they will do these things because they have not known the Father, nor me. But I have said these things to you that when their hour comes, you may remember that I told them to you. Two reasons the world hates Christians. And they're right here in these words from Jesus. Number one, Christians are not like the world. <laughs> they're not like the world at all. Followers of Jesus, disciples, are not like the world. They don't resemble the world. They should not resemble the world. Look at verse 19 with me. If you are of the world, the world will love you as its own. But because you are not of the world, but I chose you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. <clears throat> Have you ever um, considered how being a Christian makes you different, makes you unique. That's essentially what Jesus is saying here. He's saying, you were in the world, but I chose you out of the world, and then I made you different. I made you unique. I transformed you. You're no longer of the world. In other words, the stuff of your life is not the world. The world... Should I go back a bit? Let me go back a few weeks and say the world is what? The world is the moral rebellion or the order, the humans and institutions that are in rebellion against God. God so loved the world, in other words, all the people of the world, that He gave His Son, Jesus. But the world in John 15 right here is the world, it's the people and the institutions that are in rebellion against God. And they don't like Christians. In fact, they hate them because Christians are no longer of the world. They're made from something different. Or, I think if we're more Johanning, more like the, uh, the Apostle John and what he writes in this Gospel, <clears throat> they're remade into something different. Reborn into something different. Christians are not like the world. The second reason the world hates Christians is that the world does not know God. The world does not know God. Look at verse 21 with me. Verse 21 says, But all these things they will do to you on account of my name, because they do not know Him who sent me. They don't know God the Father. They don't know the One who sent Jesus into the world. And so they will hate Christians. The world will persecute Christians. The world will exclude Christians. Verse, or chapter 16, verse 2 says, they will put you out of the synagogues, which was the very place that the, that the disciples 
felt they belonged because that was their people and they worshipped God. They worshipped the one true God in those places. And so they're saying, oh, you worship Jesus now? Well, you can't, you can't be here anymore. You can't worship here anymore. You don't have those rights anymore because you worship Jesus. So, they excluded the disciples and the world will exclude true Christians as well. We've seen that happening. We've seen that happening um, all year long. <laughs> and for the last few years in various ways. We've saw it We've saw it a couple generations ago when, you know, I, I, we, oughta, we, we need to stop these school-sponsored prayers. We need to stop those. Um, that happened. And we went, okay, well, I guess we lost that battle. And then we've seen businesses being excluded from their rights because they are believers because they're Christians and they're trying to live out their Christian life. So they've been excluded. Uh, we've seen the Ten Commandments come down from courthouses. We've seen other monuments and we've seen other expressions of our historic faith, the things that our country holds dear or at one time held dear, um, even if all we're not believing they represented something and we've seen those things come down as well. We've seen exclusion. Have you ever experienced it personally? <laughs> you ever experienced personal exclusion? Oh, you're one of them or you believe that. Well, maybe this job isn't for you or maybe this club isn't for you or maybe this social group or this group of friends isn't for you. Christians will be hated. Christians will be persecuted. Christians will be excluded. Christians will be killed. In chapter 16 right here, verse 2 again, he says, Indeed, the hour is coming when whoever kills you will think he is offering service to God. How many times on the news have we seen this? People in the name of their God have put Christians to death hoping that they are going to be rewarded for it. What does Jesus say here? And they will do these things, verse 3, because they have not known the Father nor me. They do not know God. That's what Jesus says. They believe they're offering a service to God. So they're putting believers to death. They're putting disciples to death because they think they're going to be rewarded by God. But they don't know Him and they have rejected Jesus. They don't know God and they don't know Jesus. The world has rejected both Jesus' words as well as His works. Look with me again at chapter 15, verses 22 and 23, 24. Verse 22, he says, If I had not come and spoken to them, 
they would not have been guilty of sin. But now they have no excuse, no justification for their sin. In other words, I came. I spoke. I said what needed to be said. I revealed with my words who I am. I revealed with my words who God is and who you are in relation to Him. And I revealed how you can be saved. I revealed the way that you must live your life. And now they have no excuse. It's interesting because the, the world that, that Jesus was talking about here is the world of first century Judaism. The world of people who had the law. They had the Old Testament. They had the temple. They had worship of Yahweh. Yet, when Jesus came, He revealed to them the significance of all of that. He revealed to them the significance of everything that was written in the Old Testament and everything that was a part of their religious practices. And yet, they rejected Him. They don't like Jesus' words. They don't like what Jesus' words imply. Because when Jesus says, that's wrong, when Jesus says, repent of your sin, and He points it out to them, they say, we don't want to have anything to do with that, Jesus. We don't want you telling us the way we live our life is immoral. We don't want you telling us we need to change. We don't, we don't want you telling us that we have needs in our lives. So they rejected Jesus' words that have become guilty of sin. But they're also re they also rejected Jesus' works. Verse 24, If I had not done among them the works that no one else did, they would not be guilty of sin. But now they have seen. They saw Jesus' works. They saw Him perform miracles. They saw Him do what no other man could do. They saw Him give proof of His divinity. But the world has rejected Jesus' works. They did in Jesus' time. They did in the time of the disciples. And they have done that today. They have rejected His works. Today, um, very, uh, it's very convenient to reject Jesus' works. Well, he probably didn't do all of those things. They were probably just made up. Those were, those were stories that were invented by the early disciples to elaborate on their theology and what they believed about this person. He probably didn't really rise from the dead. He probably didn't really... He wasn't really born of a virgin... He probably didn't really come in the flesh. He was just an ordinary man. Yet, at this time of the year, what do we celebrate? We're not celebrating feelings. The world might want to celebrate feelings, and they appreciate that. They appreciate good feelings. The world is okay with good feelings because when you're of the world, you, you appreciate feelings of peace and feelings of hope and feelings of love for others. Just don't tell me 
then I have to um, be accountable to this baby in a manger. Don't tell me some fantastical story about God coming as a man. But the people here saw Jesus' works. They saw His works, yet they still rejected Him. So, what does all this have to do with us? <laughs> because it sounds pretty, it sounds pretty uh, sad and pretty depressing. You know, is that the way it is? Let me back up for just a moment. Last week we heard, um, we heard Jesus say this. Greater love has no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends. Jesus said in verse 17 of chapter 15, These things I command you so that you will love one another. Jesus showed his disciples a way to live, a way to love, and then he said, but that's not the experience you're going to have. You will love others. You will love one another, but that's not what's going to happen to you. The world is going to hate you. The world is going to persecute you. The world is going to exclude you. And the world may even kill you, but your command is to love one another. To love one another. Big contrast going on here. How are we to love one another? And how are we to love in the world? How are we to love when we're being hated and persecuted and excluded and killed? How are we to do that? I think Jesus gives us a clue to this. Verse or chapter 16, he says this right off the bat. Chapter 16, verse 1. I have said all these things to you to keep you from falling away. Because in the midst of hate, we are going to want to love less. And we will fall away from what not only what we believe and what we say we believe, but we will fall away from love. To keep you from falling away. Or some translations say stumbling. The idea, the root behind that idea of falling away is to be offended. Jesus doesn't want His disciples to be offended by the hatred of the world which will cause them to love less which will cause them to believe less, which will cause them to hole up in their homes, lock the doors, bar the windows, and treat the world like they've been treated. Let me tell you what else he means by this, not falling away. Look at chapter 15, verse 27. Verse 27, And you also will bear witness. Now, he says also because he's talking about the Holy Spirit bearing witness, and I'm going to get to that in a moment. We'll work our way back to that in a second. But, he says, You will bear 
witness because you have been with me from the beginning. The title of this message is The Faithful Witness. So far, we've looked at it and gone, well, what is, what is here about a faithful witness? It looks like it's a... Uh, looks like the, the title of the message should have been The World Hates Christians. <laughs> the world hates us if we are in Christ and we are following Him. The world hates us. But Jesus is trying to help the disciples see that they need to continue to love one another. They need to continue to love in the world. And the way they love the world is by bearing witness about Jesus. There's nothing more loving, in fact. I would argue there's nothing at all more loving than to bear witness to your friends and your neighbors about Jesus. Give them a cup of cold water in the name of Jesus. Give them food. Give them shelter. Help them find jobs. Do all of those things in the name of Jesus. And those are good. But without Christ, without Christ, none of that is going to matter. Not for their life today, not for their life now, and not for their life in eternity. You will bear witness because you have been with me from the beginning. Why don't we bear witness? What causes us to fall away? I think, first of all, because we are afraid. We are afraid to be hated. We don't want to be hated. What causes us to, to, so that we fail to be a faithful witness? Because we're afraid of being hated, and we're afraid of being an offense to others. We don't want to offend them. So we don't tell them that the way they're living is leading to their destruction. We don't tell them that the sins they are, they are embracing will cause them to fall before God. We don't tell them those things. We don't tell them that they need Jesus because, well, I don't want to be offensive. I don't want to be a troublemaker. I don't want to be hated. Jesus told these things to His disciples to keep them from falling away so that their love would not grow cold, so that they would continue to bear witness about Him in the world. Look at verse 4, chapter 16, verse 4. He says this, But I have said these things to you that when their hour comes, the hour of the world, when their hour comes, you may remember that I told them to you. He said this now several times in this discourse. He's, so, he's told them, I'm telling you this now so that when it does happen, you'll believe. And he repeats that same idea here. He wants his disciples to remember what he said. To remember that he is faithful. To remember that what he said was true. And what did he say? 
specifically in this section. Now we go back to verse 26. We go back to verse 26. Because kind of out of the blue, all this talk about hatred, all this talk about the world hates you, they've rejected my words, they've rejected my works, they're going to persecute you, they don't know the Father. And then in verse 26 he says, but when the Helper comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of Truth, that's the Helper, the Spirit of Truth, the Holy Spirit, who he's talking about, who proceeds from the Father, He will bear witness about me. Jesus has already said, I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. <laughs> he said, He already said, I will ask the Father and He will give you another helper to be with you forever. You know Him for He dwells with you and will be in you. The Holy Spirit. The Spirit of Truth. He said, The Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in My name, He will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. Peace I leave you. The peace of the Holy Spirit present with us. And He said, You, if you, excuse me, if you love Me, you would have rejoiced peace and joy. And, and then again he says in chapter 15 verse 11, these things I have spoken to you that my joy may be in you. This time of year we talk about peace and joy, right? We sing joy to the world, the Lord has come, which actually is a song about His second coming, not His first coming. But we sing about joy and you'll see the word joy in all of the shops. And we sing about peace and you'll see peace and in beautiful script writing in all of the shops. Nothing at the mall is going to give you lasting peace. Nothing on Amazon is going to give you lasting joy. Now stuff is good. Okay, stuff is okay. I'm, I'm not saying that you ought to return all of your items that you've purchased and just forget about that. But none of that's going to give you a peace. None of that's going to give you joy. The world in its mixed up, in its mixed up values, looks at peace and joy, those emotions of the season, and says we can get those in lesser things. And if we have an abundance of lesser things, they'll add up to more peace and more joy. But Jesus makes it very clear, peace comes through His presence. Joy comes through His presence. The presence of the Holy Spirit, the Helper, the Comforter, the Spirit of Truth. And He promises His Spirit will come and will equip us, and will empower us to be the faithful witness that God has called us to be. In the midst of hatred, in the midst of persecution, in the midst of exclusion, and even the threats of death that our brothers and sisters are experiencing around the world even now, 
God offers us Himself. He offers us Himself because actually Jesus is the faithful witness. Jesus is the faithful witness and He's told us this so that our faith would be in Him. That no matter what the circumstance that we're in, we will continue to bear witness about Him. We will continue to love one another. We will continue to show that love for one another in the world. The world that we're not of, but we're in. The world that we're living in until He comes again or we go to be with Him. How will we respond? How will we respond during this season? What will, we, what will we be known for as a church, as individuals? Will we be known for our love? Or will we be known for returning hatred for hatred? Will we be known for returning to other people in kind the way they've treated us? Will we be known for exchanging true peace and true joy and true love for something lesser during this season of Christmas? Or will we be faithful witnesses? It's a choice that we have to make and it's a choice to depend on the Holy Spirit, the one that Jesus promised would be with us. I want to challenge you to be in the Word this holiday season. I want to challenge us to be people, young people even, of the Word. Young and old, it doesn't matter how far along we are or how fresh our experience of following Jesus is, to be people of the Word, to be in God's Word, to, be, to know God's promises, to know Jesus' words to us, to be able to trust in them and be able to depend on His promises and to be, depend on the Holy Spirit who empowers them to be faithful witnesses. Let's pray together.